The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. Join Paul as he chats with today's green industry experts and leaders about how to build a successful business and live a purposeful life. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. Well, a warm welcome from the beautiful state of Georgia. I am Paul Jamison here in Atlanta, Georgia. If you've never been to the ATL, it is a uh, gorgeous state. Actually, it's a gorgeous city. It's a gorgeous state. Uh, we got the North Georgia Mountains, and uh, I've really enjoyed uh, my time here in Georgia. And uh, you know, the future's uh, super fascinating. I have a uh, knee. I'm, I'm visiting a knee doctor tomorrow. I've hurt my knee, and my shoulder's been giving me problems. And uh, it's actually the same doctor. Uh, it's the same hospital place um, or doctor's office. I don't even know what you call it. Uh, where the, I was seeing the shoulder specialist is the same location where the knee specialist is. And so uh, the shoulder specialist has been telling me for a while, you know, she's like, you can't keep working what you're doing. You keep, you know, re-aggravating your shoulder. If it's ever going to get better, you you know, you can't be doing what you're doing with all this landscape labor, et cetera. And uh, I've kind of ignored her instructions, if you will, um, just because I'm so passionate about um, working and, and making the properties look perfect. And it's just always hard for me to hire other people to do the work because they never do it as good as I do. I'm just kind of a OCD freak, uh, which my customers, my customers appreciate that because I make it look perfect. Um, and uh, so anyway, I got some big decisions to make of how I'm going to kind of navigate. I mean, it's going to depend what the doctor tells me tomorrow. Um, but anyway, uh, wasn't even intended on sharing that with y'all. It just kind of came out there. So now, you know, <laughs> I got a, a banged up shoulder, a banged up knee, and uh, it's really limiting how much labor I can put forth in my business. Uh, and so, it, you know, I either have to hire more help to do all the work and, and more enter into more of a supervisor role and, you know, have my labors do 100% of the work or 90% of the, you know, the labor because um, I'm very limited in what I can do um, physically. Mentally, I just push through. I'm like, whatever. My shoulder hurts. My knee hurts. Take some medicine. Just push through it. Ice it, you know, two, three times a day. But it's kind of getting to the point where it's like, okay, I got to really calculate what, you know, what 2020 is going to look like and how we're going to finish out the 2019 season. Uh, so I will keep you updated um, with that. But with that being said, and you know, last night I uh, got a difficult Snapchat from my buddy Zach McCall um, up in the Washington area. And he had he was in an emergency surgery actually happening today uh, where he's having his toe amputated and uh, he had to tell his customers they were prepaid um so they were prepaid for the next couple of weeks and he's going to have to refund them um you know the couple of weeks of pay and then um notify them that you know he's um not going to be able to service their property anymore he was a solo guy um up in Washington that's you know facing the same kind of injury hurdle where He's going to be, he's not going to be able to walk um, for quite a while, um, let alone go cut that grass and make that cash. And so with all that being said, with my own personal injuries that I'm working through and, and Zach's, uh, you know, injury to his toe uh, that he had to get amputated uh, today, it just really makes you think 
uh, especially those of us who run solo operations or, you know, really a, a big part of our businesses is our own health and labor into the business. What happens if you get hurt? What happens if you get hurt? And for so long, I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, you need to get disability insurance. So if you get hurt, you know, you still get paid a portion of the income you were making. And, uh, you know, other people share about the risk of, you know, if you're a solo operator, what if you get hurt? And um, I was probably stubborn and, you know, just, oh, well, I'll you know, whatever, I'll never get hurt or whatever. And uh, this whole knee injury, it's really, really been humbling and um, eye-opening because I realized, you know, I'm not sure if I'll be able to keep, you know, being a laborer in my business um, much longer. And and hopefully, you know, Doc says, hey, you know, just uh, th- there'll be a quick recovery and hopefully the pain will go away and I'll be able to, you know, continue to nurse the shoulder and maybe make a full comeback. Um, who knows? Because uh, I, I love working out. I love fitness. I love training and all of that. So it's, you know, I'm definitely all in on a full recovery. It's just a matter of, you know, being wise. I don't want to make things worse is the point. I want to make things better. And sometimes when you come back from an injury and you push yourself too quickly, it actually has a reverse effect that, you know, you get you get worse, uh, then you get better. So with all that being said, I want to talk um, the episode today about living on less than you make. I was recently in Ohio and I was hanging out with my 93-year-old grandpa and he just had these uh, phenomenal stories. He was born in 1926, I believe. And he was telling me, you know, when he grew up, when he was a child, I mean, these kids today, you know, they have smartphones and they know how to text and watch YouTube and all this stuff. You know, he was telling me, I mean, he grew up in the 1930s. It was the Great Depression. And he was telling me his first job, you know, there in high school, he got a job at the down at the cinema, which was like a movie theater. You know, they called it the cinema, the theater. And you go down there and you watch a movie. And he was making 25 cents an hour. So he'd go work for five hours and he'd make a dollar twenty-five. And he said that was big money back then. Or, you know, I was a little bit above minimum wage. He's like, that was good money for a high school kid. One dollar and twenty-five cents. I mean, some people now, if there's a quarter on the ground, wouldn't even bend over to pick it up. And to him, that was a lot of money. A dollar twenty-five. I mean, you work ten hours, you know, he's he's bringing in close to three bucks, two fifty, two dollars and fifty cents. And obviously, we've had inflation since the 1930s. But one thing that he was sharing with me is every, I mean, the economy was so challenging in the 1930s. And there wasn't the technology that we have today. He was telling me later on in, uh, you know, a decade or so later when the radio uh, came out and his family was able to get, you know, get a radio, they would all huddle around the radio. And it was like this big deal uh, to get to listen to the radio. They'd go sit on the front porch and, you know, they're static, but then something would come through and it was just, it was just this uh, technological breakthrough there in the 40s and into the 50s, you know, within television and, you know, black and white television and just how, you know, state of the art and, and technologically advanced it was. And then, good Lord, when the color TV came out. But what was really fascinating to me, because my grandpa's now he's financially, he's got a lot of money and, you know, it's unfortunate end of his, well, I guess it's fortunate and fortunate, but, you know, he's, he's burning through a lot of money at the nursing home um, here in his final years of life, but he, he saved up the money during his lifetime. 
And I watched him do it because even when I would go to my house or go to his house when I was a kid, it, it always was fascinating to me because, you know, he'd go print something out on the computer and then he'd like, oh, don't throw that away. When you're done, we can flip it over. And then next time we need to print something, we'll just print it on the other side. And I was, you know, I was just a kid and I didn't understand money. I was like, grandpa, that, you know, don't be cheap. Like we'll just go buy new paper. And he, no, no, no. And he, you know, he'd real frugal about, and we're not going to waste. Um, there's a side of that, you know, piece of paper. I mean, back in the day, you know, we didn't have GPSs. So you'd print out, if you're going to downtown Cleveland, he was from Ohio, you'd have to print directions to where you're going, you know? So you knew how to get around town. And then it would print on one side, the map quest, you know, you'd print out the directions in the 1990 or you know early 2000s even i'd do that when i was in college 2006 i was still doing that but he would be adamant well don't throw that away that paper when you're done because we can use the other side and you know you can stretch that 500 sheets of paper you buy at best buy or wherever and you can stretch that for a lifetime or you know a long time if you're just flipping it over and that was his mindset of saving money i remember one time we were out at a restaurant cracker barrel i think it was or bob evans um real good breakfast joints up in Ohio. Well, the coffee was over $2 and he was just flipping out. He's like, $2. Like how he couldn't, he didn't, he couldn't buy coffee at the restaurant because he couldn't wrap his mind around spending $2 on a cup of coffee. You know, when you can go home and crank up the coffee maker, you know, and put the coffee, you know, get the beans, grind it up, put the beans in the thing in the filter in the coffee maker, you know, you make your own cup of coffee, probably, 12, 13 cents, 15 cents. And he just couldn't imagine spending $2. And it wasn't that these lessons that I was learning from my grandpa, wasn't that he was cheap because he's a very generous man. He's been very, very, very generous in meaning of giving money away and just generate, just generosity all around. But when it came to actual expenses, personal life expenses, he was very frugal and he was very tight because he had a wound Uh, probably for the better in the long run from the 1930s of living in the Great Depression. We hear stories about, oh, the Great Depression or whatever, but he lived it. He knew what it was like to be a poor kid and how difficult it was to get income, how challenging it was. And then, you know, the economy began to get a little bit better in the 1940s. And he went on to have, you know, he owned businesses. Uh, He had a a oil business business. a place where you go get your oil change and they'd fix your car up and they'd, you know, it was a gas station too. It was a filling station is what it was called. And you'd get gas and they'd fix your truck. And he made a lot of money. And then he invested that money, you know, in the um, stock market and, you know, in, in investments. And it turned out, you know, turned into a, a large sum of money. But that was the formula. Make as much as you can and live on less than you make. And I watched it work in his life. He didn't go out and, you know, live this flashy lifestyle. He just lived and saved. And I remember, you know, in the early 90s, him telling me how he bought his house in cash. He just saved up over the years and went and bought a, you know, a very nice house and just paid for it in cash. Didn't even have a mortgage on it. Just no debt was, uh, you know, didn't make any sense. Just bought it in cash. And so I learned so, so many lessons from my grandpa. And in business, you know, one of those lessons is make as much as you can, you know, charge the right pricing. He's always getting on to me about how is your prices? What are you charging your customer? You know, and are you charging enough? You're making big enough profit. Like you, you know, he's, you know, make as much as you can, you know, play offense aggressively and, and, you know, with integrity, with honesty, with, 
you know, understanding the market, what the market will pay, but be diligent and proactive to make as much as we can. And in, in, in an honest, you know, integral way, we offer a service uh, to our customers, you know, quality service. We do a very good job and we're proud of our work and, you know, they pay a good price for that. And it's a win-win transaction. The customer gets what they want, whether you're fixing their irrigation or you're cutting their grass or you're trimming the hedges or you're putting in a new landscape or hardscape installation, the customer is blown away with how beautiful it looks. And then in return, they're paying us for our service and we can charge a good price uh, and make a good profit. Now, what I've learned from my grandpa is then the other side of the business is our expenses that go out, you know, in, in, in a service industry business, you know, we have our insurances, our vehicle insurance, our uh, commercial liability insurance, which you, uh, you, anyone listening to this, if you own a small business, you need to have that because what if something happens, you know, the, the, we've heard all the stories of the, you know, the rock going through the window and hitting the lady and just crazy stuff. So you want to, you know, you want to protect yourself from something uh, catastrophic like that. And, you know, there's all the expenses of gasoline and, and fuel and the equipment and the repair for the equipment and all of that. And then in our personal life, we have all of the expenses of life. And one thing I've learned from my grandpa is to live on less than you make. That's a revolutionary concept in our debt-driven generation because now in 2000, you know, in, in, as we go into a, this new decade, um, the 2020s right around the corner here, you can basically buy whatever you want to buy and get it immediately because these companies know that they'll make money off the interest of the payments. If they can get a little collateral up front, they'll give you whatever. You want a house, bam, you just get a house. You just have to pay an interest payment in addition, you know, with your monthly payment on the principal. And so these companies are making money off all that interest. And the same, you want a car? Well, you just, you, these companies will give you a car, but then you're paying them all this interest. And so we have to be careful because the the accessibility, Mr. Producer, is that a word? <laughs> accessibility? You said close enough. You know what I'm trying to say. You know, you poured this. This is a great cup of coffee. Um, Mr. Producer poured me, but I haven't been drinking it. It's just been sitting here because I've been sharing this story because I'm passionate about this because it's something I'm learning and I've just, I've watched it work in my grandpa's life. Well, anyway, we live on less than we make. That means if we can't afford it, you don't buy it. And my grandpa over the years, when he bought a car, he paid cash for the car. He just saved up and then bought the car in cash for his house. Now his first house, he, he borrowed a little bit of money here and there and bought this, it was a hundred and something, $125,000. I think he borrowed a little bit of money he said from his Parents or someone who he he scraped together what he had and he borrowed a little bit here and there and then he immediately paid it off like he just kept working and paid off whoever he borrowed the money from and got that thing got that thing paid off. Now, it's interesting because when I talking to my grandpa, I'm just I understand he just has this understanding of the Great Depression and living simple and he doesn't even think about buying something that he can't afford to impress all these other people because he didn't grow up on social media and he doesn't understand, you know, I had my tripod in his um, nursing home and he thought it was a weapon. He's like, what is that thing? He's like, is that a bomb? And um, 
because it, it was this gorilla tripod. I was like, no, Grandpa, this is a tripod for my camera. And uh, he, I'm just trying to explain all the technology to him. And he just, I mean, he's fascinated by it, but he doesn't understand all of it. It's just, you know, the technologically kind of broke through right there when he was already in his 80s. And it just, he learned a little bit how to go onto the computer. But anyway, he doesn't understand the whole Instagram thing and all these people trying to impress everybody. And I just had all these takeaways. I want to share them with you of the importance of living on less than we make because, and I love how Dave Ramsey teaches on this, that our greatest wealth building tool is our income. And that's why my grandpa became wealthy is because he took his income and then he didn't have a bunch of payments with his income. But his income, it went to saving and he saved money. And then his income went to investing. And he took that money he made and he invested it. And rather than interest working against him with paying a car and paying a house and paying all this stuff, this paying for this luxurious lifestyle that's a little bit more than you can bite off, more than you can chew, etc. He lived simply, took the money, saved it, and invested it. And then those investments over decades, I mean, look at the market now compared to where it was now. It just, it, it made him a lot of money. But it started, and then obviously, you, you know, some of the money that he had, he used towards, uh, you know, living expenses, putting gas in the cars and paying, you know, the home insurance and all, you know, just groceries, basic life expenses. But it's that principle on living less than you make. And especially as business owners, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about how he would pay himself a very minimal salary, even though he was uh, bringing in tens of millions of dollars of revenue for his parents' wine company. I think it's like $60 million. And, you know, he's the one running the show. And a lot of these guys that, you know, if their company does $60 million a year, they're living high on the hog. But Gary V, he understood, no, I'm going to live simple. And, you know, for many reasons, because then you have more money that, you know, in his case, I think he reinvested a lot more money towards his future entrepreneurial endeavors. But when we get stretched thin and we start buying cars and making payments on those cars and houses that are just too much and, 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 and all these expenses in life that we feel, you know, one thing that suckered me that just makes me so angry and frustrated was the student loan debt and education that I really don't even use. Honestly, I, I did graduate. I went for over four years to Ohio University and uh, it was over $20,000 a year. And my parents helped out a couple years. But then I, you know, basically took out $20,000 for a couple years of loans and made minimum payments on those loans. But as I was making those minimum payments, the balance of what I owed would actually be higher than the year before because I was only making minimum payments and all that interest was just destroying me. And so, and I was young and dumb and it wasn't like I cal- I knew what I was doing. I just went to school because that's what everyone was doing. And then I got stuck being a slave the borrower's slave to the lender. And then I got stuck as a slave to having to pay these student loans back and all that interest. And it's just, it's frustrating. And so in process of making, you know, getting my paycheck in my business, paying myself and I have paychecks from other, you know, broadcasting endeavors that I do and whatnot. It's frustrating to take that paycheck. When I think about my grandpa and how he took his paycheck, saved, invested and lived off of. And I have to take my paycheck and I have to pay 
back debt. It it created in me a hatred for debt to where I said, you know what? A, I'm aggressively living as simple as I can, as simple as I can in the sense of I don't go out to eat. I rear, I mean, sometimes I'll go to Chipotle, you know, and spend eight or nine dollars there. But for the most part, I don't go, you know, out to restaurants and blow money there. I shop at Aldi's. I shop at Kroger. I, I, I pack my lunch. I eat, you know, eat my dinner or breakfast from home. Eat, eat as simply, you know, simple as I can with the groceries. And I'm not, I'm out, I'm not out wasting money on any. I mean, I'm very, very frugal and simple. And then that excess money right now, it's going to paying off debt, and it's created such a frustration inside of me because I'm like, you know what? As soon as I get this last penny of debt paid off, I'm not going back into debt. Like, I don't like these payments. I don't like this. I want to live that simple life my grandpa lived, and he's wealthy. It's it's the path to wealth. When you take your you take your income and you save it and you invest it. But you can't save it and invest it if it's A, tied up in lifestyle, and B, tied up in debt. He didn't take his, his money that he made and just go blow it all, you know, and spend 100% of what he made or... What most people in our culture do is they spend more than 100% of they make, you know, in the sense of debt. Well, I can't afford that and I can't afford that and I can't afford that, but I want the house, I want the boat, I want the car. I'll just get it all and just make payments. And so the paycheck comes in and then it all goes out on payments. And if you're frustrated like me and you're like, you know what, I want to I wanna live that old-fashioned lifestyle of living less than I make, which takes great self-control, but being having that, that ability to save money, invest money. And of course, a portion of it goes to lifestyle. I mean, we have to put food on the table and we have to keep the lights on and we have, you know, there's, you know, keep, keep a vehicle running and operating. I mean, there's, you know, we have to spend money on the basic necessities of life of, you know, having an operating vehicle uh, to get to work, having, um, you know, a roof on our, over our head and uh, food to eat and, you know, the basic medical and insurances of, of keeping our, ourselves healthy. And in a business, you know, there's obvious expenses of the equipment that we need. But a lot of people, even in, in the business, they, they, they overdo it, stretch themselves thin because they can get the payment. They can get the, they can get the equipment. Well, it's going to help efficiency. And then they just, we justify so much. And, um, when we really got to look at our businesses and really, well, how can I be as profitable and make as much money as possible and be as efficient as possible with, you know, without overdoing it on all the expenses and, and even shopping on our insurances. And just there's there's so many ways to cut expenses and, and to live on less than we make in our in our businesses and, of course, in our personal lives. And so I just wanted to share that as kind of a, a fire in my uh, bones, if you will, uh, coming back from my trip to Ohio because my grandpa, he just, he really excited, he really pumped me up because I've, he's so generous. He's so generous. He's, I'm not going to say what he's done and how, you know, he, he's a, he's a generous, generous man and he's a wealthy man, but it all happened because, uh, throughout his life, he, uh, lived on less than eight. Hey guys, it's Paul. Thanks for listening to today's episode. It means a lot to me that you guys have, if you're listening, still listening now, you listen to the whole show. So I appreciate it. And uh, it would mean the world to me if you could go into iTunes and drop a review. I cannot believe it, 
but we have ranked in iTunes in the business section. It's crazy. It's a goal of mine, and uh, we definitely are ahead of schedule, but I'm very humbled. I'm very thankful, and it's all because you guys are listening and you're engaging with the show. So if you could just drop a couple sentences in iTunes, it really means a lot to me. There's a little blue button there that says write a review. You click on that, just write a couple sentences of how you're um, enjoying the show or how we can improve the show, whatever honest feedback you want to put in there as a review. It means a lot to me. And uh, iTunes has a five-star system. So five stars, if you think we're worth five stars, it uh, definitely would help out and uh, we would appreciate that. Of course, I'm on Instagram as well. And uh, you guys can follow me there at Paul Jameson on Instagram. We can hang out on Instagram. And I appreciate everyone on the gram who has been um, sharing the show saying, hey, check out this episode. And they uh, share, you know, share all that on Instagram uh, like you guys do it. That means the world to me as well when you share the show with your friends. So it's been all organic since day one. Uh, we've just completely through word of mouth have got this thing up and running. And um, I really appreciate you guys sharing the show and uh, reviewing the show on iTunes. Look forward to making more episodes soon. Thanks for all your help with the reviews.